I told you there were plenty of work for everybody, didn't I? Oh, typically masculine arrangement, though. We do all the dirty work, you get all the fun. You don't think mixing the singularly noxious compound is fun, do you? You're listening to Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. A nerdy podcast hosted by a husband and wife team who just love talking about all things Doctor Who. We're sex positive, LGBTQIP plus friendly, and decidedly not fans of Stephen Moffat. Spoilers, naughty language, and other adult content may lie within. Oh, I could murder a cup of tea. You're serious, aren't you? About what I do, yes. Not necessarily the way I do it. Hello and welcome once again to episode 12 of the Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who Love Story podcast. I thank you so much for joining us. Uh, today we are continuing our uh, discussion of the um, series 7 of the uh, new series um, in preparation for series 8. Today what? we're going to be... <laughs> uh, by the way, I am Daniel um, and I'm joined as always by my lovely wife Shana. I got a little ahead of myself again because I'm still a little out of practice. Uh, say hello Shana. We're excited. You're not just out of... We love talking Doctor Who. We do. um, And especially love talking Doctor Who with each other Mm -hmm. um, for public consumption. Uh, We've been getting uh, some really nice... <laughs> we've been getting some really nice comments lately, so that's nice. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of that um, here shortly. Um, but today we're actually going to be talking about three episodes um, The Power of Three, The Angels Take Manhattan, and The Snowman. That was the Christmas special from uh, 2012. So we're going to be talking about those three today. And this is going to be the end of the Amy and Rory saga and the beginning of the kind of Clara um, thing. Thing. Yeah, that arc. So. Um, gonna be exciting. Are you ready to start talking about Doctor Who, baby girl? So ready. All right, let's do it then. Um, to start off with, I wanted to, um, just pick up a couple of things that, um, I had, uh, forgotten to mention in the last one, uh, or in the last episode. Um, when we were talking about dinosaurs on a spaceship, one thing that I really liked about that episode that I forgot to mention was that, um, Rory's dad ends up kind of, um, you know, at the end he's, like, sending postcards from all over the place, and apparently he hadn't traveled before, and so, like, his time traveling with the Doctor and the the imagery had kind of made him excited to travel, which I thought was, like, a really nice touch for the episode, a little nice little emotional moment. Um, At least it kind of, it worked for me pretty well. It Um, did. I would have liked to see him be, like, a Wilf character, though. I think that that character is really underutilized um, because of the perspective he gives. And we'll probably talk about that. I think that that's actually more in the episodes we're about to talk about. But he gets to be this character who gets to say, you know, go travel, do what you want. Like, I get it. It's very much a kind of rehashing of the Wilf storyline, which, uh, I mean, we love Wilf, so we're we're fine with that. Um, of course, it's it's a it does feel like the lesser version, um, but you know I guess only because it, you don't get to see as much. Exactly. Yeah. No. Um, Mark Williams is a great actor. I think he um, he really does what he can with very little material, um, so you do um, you do like that. Um, but I did just want to mention that um, it was nice to see uh, the idea that uh, his, the, the the way that Doctor Who inspires people to be better people. And the way yes. that, you know, um, it does feel like a very, like, overt moment about how how the show affects people. Um, and so I, I, I liked that. I thought that was a nice little touch um, in an episode that I didn't um, entirely care for. That's fair. Yeah. No, I, the relationship between Rory and his father and the moments we get where we see how much Rory has grown as well. And that he's in space and his dad gets hurt and his first thing is like, well, I'm, I'm a nurse. I know how to do this. Like, just hold still. I, I have this weird kit of stuff that I've collected from everywhere we've gone and it's all to help people. Um, and there's an aspect of that that I kind of miss from this doctor of yep. feeling like there's an element of the doctor being a jack of all trades because he does pick up something from everywhere he goes. But in this situation, it wasn't the doctor. It was Rory. Who's like, I've traveled far and wide and I've come back with like really cool band-aids. Um, <laughs> yes. And I love that about him. I love. I've traveled far practice. and wide and come back with really cool band-aids. That could be a title for an episode. Anyway, sorry. That's awesome. I'm just saying like, and this may frame our discrep- discussion of these next episodes. 
my issue with Eleven, I think, has always been, um, because I think Matt Smith does a good job with what he's given. I think the script is weird and inconsistent, but primarily I think it makes the Doctor someone who is just kind of bumbling through life. I mean, is a little self-centered, whereas I feel like other Doctors are a little bit... Like, you ricochet through life, but you're affecting everything where you go, and you're absorbing, and you're changing, and you're... So, there's that. Right. Well, and they, they kind of make comment about how the, you know, the, the 11th Doctor is kind of taken from the 2nd Doctor. And the 2nd Doctor would just feign being um, really incompetent and, um, you know, spurious and, and, oh, my silly aunt and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. On the way to actually, like, solving problems, which... Um, you know, here you see a lot more. The companions are kind of given the role of of um, kind of actually doing the empathetic doctor thing, and I think we'll come back to that when we get to uh, particularly Angels Take Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Or, um, but um, I did want to talk about there was an article that I showed you this morning um, that was posted by um, somebody who's listened to every episode of this podcast, Henry. Um, thank you to Henry for um, kind of pointing this out. He uh, was commenting on our Capaldi discussion um, and kind of said and sent us this article um, that I showed you this morning. And it was about um, basically a bunch of quotes from Peter Capaldi talking about um, what's happening, you know, changes that are being made for for his doctor. Um, and uh, I'm going to link that in the show notes so you should read it. Um, but uh, would you like, why don't you comment on that? Well... I mean, the main things he said were that were important for me was this doctor's not going to be flirty with his companion, which, you know, I'm fine with, but I was ready for a little less romantic intrigue. So I'm happy to hear that. Um, the other thing he said, and, and you and I have said this for a while, that, you know, one of the reasons we really like that Peter Capaldi is, is going to be the doctor is because he's such a big Doctor Who fan and he said that he would not have signed on if it weren't a doctor that he liked um which may be fan service but also made me feel better but the one thing um that I really latched onto is he said that what was it the scenes will be longer right he and says, I'm like oh you know, dialogue instead of just action I think that that's what he means well you know what's funny is it's really vague and it's not um, concrete, you know. Really, what's what's being, uh, you know, we're really not we're really not getting details yet. Um, I think it's possible to read it as a like an apology, maybe from Capaldi, or maybe saying we are going in a different direction. Um, it's also possible that this is all just subterfuge, and that ultimately, like, you're going to get really like subtle little bits, and then it's just going to be kind of more of the same. So I I'm going to withhold judgment, but. If what Capaldi's saying, if we read it in the right way, that it sounds like it could be really, really good for series eight. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not um, overtly hoping yet, but um, uh, it does. Uh, there is a glimmer of hope. Let's put it that way. Well, and I have to say, no matter the fact that I was, I did not like series seven as we were rewatching it. I do remember one of the reasons that I disliked it is there are lots of great moments. You know, but the the mm. episodes aren't consistent from beginning to end, and there and I have a little quote from each episode that I thought like, oh, it would have been really exciting to see them explore this idea, but I feel like just stuff just doesn't get fleshed out in the writing. Like, um, or well, do you want to just go ahead and start talking about the episode? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go into like we did in the last episode. We're gonna do about fifteen minutes talking about each of these three episodes. And um, I think since you have quotes from all three, why don't we just start with you reading the quote from uh, The Power of Three, and then we'll kind of use that as a springboard to talk a little bit about how we feel about Power of Three, um, and in particular kind of focus on what we think it bodes for in Series 8, if there's anything, or, you know, how it worked in Series 7. So um, Um, why don't you read your quote? Yeah, all right. Let me find, I have, they all look the same from here. Okay, The Power of Three. So... Um, the quote I'm picking from this episode, and you'll see, we, we've gotten to this point where I, I have a really hard time with the relationship between Amy and the Doctor. And I feel like the showrunners knew it because they added this quote. Oh, I think I know which one you're going to talk about. And it is, the Doctor says, you're thinking of stopping, aren't you? 
and Amy kind of denies it and they go back and forth. Um, but Amy accuses the doctor of running away. And this is his answer. I'm not running away, but this is one corner in one country in one continent and one planet that's a corner of a galaxy that is a corner of a universe that is forever growing and shrinking and creating and destroying and never remaining the same for a single millisecond. And this is so much, so much to see, Amy, because it goes so fast. I'm not running away from things. I'm running to them before they flare and fade forever. That's all right. Our lives would never remain the same. They can't. One day, soon maybe, you'll stop. I've known for a while. And Amy says, then why do you keep coming back for us? And he says, because you were the first, the first face that this face saw, and you were seared onto my hearts, Amelia Pond, always will be. I'm running to you and Rory before you fade from me. And she responds... Here, here's here's something that bothers me a little. She responds by saying, don't be nice to me. I don't want you to be nice to me. And he says, yeah, you do, Pond, and you always get what you want. So since I'm making it quite clear which parts bother me, let me explicate a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah, I remember when that uh, when that episode aired, and uh, people on Tumblr were making uh, all kinds of graphics mm -hmm. with you know. So there was one with Amy and the Eleventh Doctor, kind of you know, like oh look at how adorable and you know great. And then other people were like, well, if you really look at this, like we kind of have seen every Doctor regenerate, and so um, the Eighth Doctor and Will Sasso's character from uh, mm -hmm. the uh, you know. So that was my favorite version because um, clearly this is not something that like has really been canonical until now. But um, anyway, um, please continue with the uh, with the uh, your discussion of this quote. So this is one aspect. The other way, um, I I, I want to say like the 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 little bit of the soliloquy that the doctor has that I'm not running away and he goes on. I think that that's really nice writing. I think it's it's poetic prosaic little bit of both it, it, it's a nice little bit of of hyping yourself up about the universe yeah no but, uh it's similar in tone at least to the uh one of my favorite quotes from the ninth doctor which is from the his very first episode where he says uh the earth is spinning and i can feel it rose i can feel it you know that that you know and it's like if you want to know who i am i'm the person that can feel the earth spin in its orbit, you know, sort and of you thing. know, um, the, the big difference is the tonal change between those two speeches. And this has always been my problem with 11 is he is mean and manipulative because what this speech is, is there is so much in this world. I have to go see all of it and you can't do it. And, and I mean, like he's basically upset that Amy Pond will age. And that has been, the, the the concept of he doesn't like to see you age, the aging, um, which is kind of sudden in these three episodes. They bring up, you know, very moffat to say like, oh, this has always been true, but I'm just going to use it now. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't, don't you remember? Don't you remember him? Yeah, don't you remember him complaining about this, like, for the entire 50 years of the show? Like, he's, yeah, no, that's, that's just always been a thing, right? Like, right. Yeah. Um... Then there's the whole first face thing. Right. Um, and then there's just the very, very selfish, I'm running to you and Rory before you fade from me. It's so it's such a self-centered doctor. And if someone said that to you, I'm not entirely sure that would be a nice thing. Well, you know, if I had someone in my life who was going to live, you know, a hundred times longer than I, you know, who we don't know how long the doctor can live, but at this point, the doctor is a thousand years old or so, you know, um, so the doctor is going to live at least 10 times as long as I am going to mm -hmm. and saying, I want to have you in my life as long as I can, but like, yeah, no, it, it does. It does feel like a, a bit of a dick thing to say, you know. Like it's, it's we are gonna fade and wither, but and I want to have you here as long as I can, you know. Yeah, and it's this idea of I have all these amazing things I can do. I want to spend the t the little time I can with you, um, but just just so you remember, I'm I'm really fucking old. 
and and you're <laughs> right. and you're you don't last that long. You're a dragonfly. You're you're a, a, a you know a mayfly compared to me. You know. Oh yeah. Um. So I mean, I mean, like if you look at this in in terms of power exchange and emotional dynamics, the Doctor is really manipulative with Amy. He always has been. The fact that he's like part father figure, part imaginary friend, part boyfriend, part like the. <laughs> the kind of gender essentialist like male figure playbook that like the 11th doctor cycles through. Right. Um, and when Amy has someone like Rory in her life, who is not a, I mean, he's actually a really interesting character in terms of his identity as being a masculine uh, centurion nurse, which we usually see as a feminine pr- um you know, I think Rory is a much more complicated character in terms of that. And he's much nicer. And so unless this was meant to be sarcastic, um, which I don't think it is. No. It just feels like a very disingenuous moment to me. Well, let's let's uh, we've spent like seven minutes talking about this one quote. So I'm sorry. And, no, 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 it's fine. I think that it it really does get at the core of some of the issues where they're saying this. But A, they're not supporting it in any way by anything outside of him just saying it. And B, it's way too little too late at this point, you know? Yes, exactly. Um, where was that this whole time? Where was that in, like, Series 5? You know, yeah. where where was that two and a half years ago? Anyway, um, to uh, kind of use that to talk a little bit about the rest of the episode. Yeah. Um, uh, because I do want to kind of make this brief. And I think this is a really, really interesting conversation. Um, and I agree completely with everything you just said. Um, I think that, um, first of all, like we're seeing in this episode, the power of three, this is the one with the black cubes that are everywhere. And, um, uh, structurally there are some issues with the episode, I think, but I think that, um, just, I mean, this is, it's a really cute episode. There's lots of funny slapsticky stuff. I love the doctor getting bored and painting the the fences. Oh, I hate that. I hate that so much. I was actually going to talk about that, Uh, how the doctor. that's a love or hate thing, but. The the doctor become, he's a very childlike doctor, and he spends a lot of his time being um, like an overgrown five-year-old, you know, and even when he gets angry, he throws a tantrum like an overgrown five-year-old, which we're going to see in. And Angels Take Manhattan, um, or is it Angels in Manhattan? I can't even remember. I always, I think Angels Take Manhattan. It is the Angels Take Manhattan, and I think it's like uh, the Muppets in Manhattan sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, no, just to um, to kind of very quickly um, say, it's very much this episode. You see the Doctor's positive characteristics that you would expect to see. Um, his kind of scientific acumen, his ability to focus on things, his ability to empathize, spread out among all the other characters. Um, because Brian spends the entire episode, uh, Rory's dad spends the entire episode staring at a cube and doing the due diligence and, and being not just a great companion, but um, you could see this is something that the doctor, like you could see David Tennant essentially doing this. And, oh, no, and, and he has. Know. There have been episodes where he's just... I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I know there's been at least an episode where he just sets up shop to watch something. Right. Um, and uh, not only that, I mean, you know, the, the Tenth Doctor, you know, when you're talking about, like, oh, he, I can't hold still, I can't stand still, the Tenth Doctor, you can love or hate the episode Last of the Time Lords, but, you know, he spent a year in a cage, essentially, um, mm-hmm. on the bridge of a ship when he didn't necessarily have to he might have found another way out of the the situation he clearly was triumphant at the end and i mean essentially did that just so that he was trying to make the master he was trying to convince the master to to come and be with him instead of you know so the idea that the doctor just simply can't wait around for anything is is ludicrous in my mind um but you know each each actor brings his own thing to the role well, and, and I guess you know, that's what I'm saying, is I feel like the three of them, Amy and Rory being this very settled relationship that can, she's adventurous and he's kind of reserved. Like, that aspect of their relationship has always been an aspect of those characters that I like. I just feel like we don't get to see it without the Doctor turning into a toddler. Right. Because then they have to be his parents, which I guess Moffat kind of wants to do as a reminder that he's married to their daughter. 
maybe. Uh, let's. I, I don't even want to. Like, we're gonna get into River Song in the next episode. So. Okay. Um, you know, um, big thoughts about just kind of going off of that. Um, the Doctor's positive characteristics get spread out. You know, Rory has the empathy. Amy has the adventurous spirit, and then the Doctor ends up being just a child. But um, one thing that this episode brings in that I really liked was um, uh, Kate Stewart, Lethbridge, Lethbridge Stewart's daughter. Oh, yeah. The Briggs' daughter is in this episode, and apparently she, like, was mentioned by name or might have appeared in some of the um, not-canonical material from the early 90s sort of thing. Um, there's a long story with that, and I'm not going to get into the, the details on that right now. But okay. apparently, like, her name was mentioned a couple of times, but, like, she's here, she's canon, she's in the actual show, and um, having seen, like, episodes with the Brig and kind of, like, if you're an old-school fan, you're pretty much in love with the Brig, um, at least if you're a fan of that era um, at all. It, you know, it, it does – it was really nice to be able to see Matt Smith, you know, kind of tearing up thinking about that character. Yeah. But it does feel really unearned here because they bring in Kate Stewart and give her nothing to do, really. Nothing. Um, Which – um, you know, I had this little fan headcanon because of the one episode that I care to revisit all the time in my head. I have this, like, fan headcanon where she is Liz Shaw's daughter. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we could give her a spunky moment where she'd, like, roll her eyes at the doctor and be like, show me the science. Oh. Yeah. That that would be awesome. I would love to see. Um, it's too bad Carolyn John is no longer with us. I would love to see her back in the show. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Um, having a um, bringing her on and then kind of giving her nothing to do. I and this is kind of my big issue just structurally with this episode. Um, beyond all the other stuff we've talked about, and I do want to kind of wrap up here and then talk about the Angels Take Manhattan. Um, I really feel like this should be a two-parter. I think this really fits into a structure where the first half of the, you know, you get 45 minutes essentially of the cubes are everywhere. What are the cubes? You get the relationship between Amy and Rory and the doctor. You get all this stuff that's in here. And then the second half is the resolution to like what the tally is and, you know, actually solving the problem of these cubes that are everywhere and actually having to um, find some clever way out of it. Sort of thing. Yeah, no, um, I think that's completely fair. Um, because I do think that they spend a bunch of time on the cubes, and the and then well, and he just kind of solves it in eight seconds, you know. And it was, I think, it was especially disappointing because they had caused this whole social media thing, mm-hmm. um, where they were like, "Print out your cubes, put cubes everywhere, take pictures of your cubes," and um, I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be a cool episode. What a cool idea! How simple and interesting and." I mean, like, even as a media thing, I thought it was going to be more interesting than it turned out to be. And they just kind of let it go. Yeah, it, it really ended up being a whole lot of nothing. Um, and uh, it, it really could have been something interesting if they had, if they, it really should have been a two-parter. And um, Series 7 has no two-parters in it. And, um, you know, Moffat has said that he really doesn't like doing the two-parters, um, you know. Whatever, uh, whatever floats your boat, man. But um, this this really deserved. I think that it feels like half of a really good story. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, any more thoughts on that episode before we move on? Um, you know, Rory's dad always underutilized, especially for Harry Potter fans. Sure. But yeah. Yep. All Moving right. on. Angels take Manhattan. Uh, you have a quote from this one. I do. Um, do you want to start with a quote? I think, yeah, sure. Let's start with the quote. Um, because, again, this this hits a very kind of important emotional dynamic. Um, when Amy and Rory are about to kill themselves to create a paradox, to save everything, but also possibly just kill themselves. Yeah, let's not even, the plot holes in this episode, I'm not even going to talk about them. So, right. um, yeah, um, we will take a big, long look at the angels and this episode will, yeah, anyway. So please continue. Um, the doctor yells, what the hell are you doing? Which again, immaturity, um, what the hell are you doing? And Amy says, changing the future, it's called marriage. And there is a certain kind 
of statement that I think Moffat is trying to make there that I think is really good. Uh-huh. Um, and this one was the... written by Moffat. Um, huh? the last This one was written by Stephen Moffat. So. And I wish it had been... I love the idea that he is saying an emotional bond between two people changes the future. I think using the word marriage is a little awkward um, because, I don't know, if you want to make a big statement, like, you know, it's called love, it's called, I don't know. I, but I understand why he chose marriage. I love you. That's why I married you. And I sure. do feel that the marriage bond is important. But I think it hints at this whole, just yeah. what I was talking about before, this whole idea of, how how does Amy prioritize her relationship between the doctor and Rory um, and how that has been portrayed? And um, I don't know. I think I, I want to know. I would have liked to see this side of Amy more. Right. And this is literally her last episode. She's out of the entire show in like five minutes. This and is, we this see is some it. of the most interesting moments from her, I think, in, in these little moments in the in in this episode. Yeah, I think that like this is this is the one where like the whole thing that they were trying to build for two and a half seasons mm-hmm. was this kind of triangle where Amy is caught between her love for Rory and her love for the doctor and which one is she going to choose in the end. And that's why like her choice to go be with Rory is supposed to be such a big emotional moment. But to me, it's just, it feels so forced and artificial, and it feels so, there's just no heft to any of it. And, um, well, and I think. I did get a little, I did get a little choked up watching this again, just going along with the emotions and the, like, the performances. I think, yes. um, Karen Gillan gives it her all, and I think Matt Smith gives it his all, um, in the scene in the, uh, in the graveyard when uh, Amy um, is taken back by the angels. And I think um, Arthur Darvill, like, I, I think there's a lot of good acting in this episode. I there think is. there are a lot of beautiful moments, um, even though I think it's a little cheesy. Amy's speech at the end, the hello old friend, and here we are, you and me on the last page. Um, I think there are lots of really nice emotional moments that hinted a relationship. Um, that may have been there for a lot of fans, but wasn't really there on the page. I think so. And I, and um, one of the things that people talk about when they talk about kind of the Moffat run so far, and in particular kind of the, the um, Amy storyline, is that it's very focused on stories and storytelling and storytellers. And, like, that's kind of a running theme. Mm-hmm. And people talk about how, like, that. I think that's, People who really like this run, I think the that they really appreciate the the idea of this running theme that's been going on. Um, I don't think it's very well executed, honestly. I think that they nope. say it's there, but they don't actually give us any of the meat that would prove it's, you know, like it's just kind of... And now we're talking about stories, and it's like you haven't been talking about stories this whole time. You've been talking about other stuff, but, um, you know, um, you can't just state the theme outright and then like pretend like that's been there the whole time you know but um i do think that's one thing that people really respond to in the um amy characterization and the um uh and the end of her story is kind of like and then there's a story and she actually writes a book and it's sort of you know that's sort of the idea um i I think it's reasonably effective. I liked it more going through it the second time. Uh, this episode is a mess, and I'm again, I'm not going to talk about all the plot holes and all the stupid angel shit and all the you know there. There's just yeah. too much. Um, I don't want to talk about all of the stuff that doesn't make sense because we'll be here all day. Yeah. Um, but, um, but do I mean there's some really. I, I want to say like this time period of River's life where apparently she just goes and fights crime. Um, that's kind of hinted at how she was hunting down this guy who's been doing bad things and like he's got the angel tied up and I, I don't know. Like there's this whole character of River Song in this episode that I feel like is the first time I really get her since uh, the library episodes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, River Song Time Agent doing her own thing is way more interesting than River Song Prisoner. Yes. Um, River Song kind of like the Doctor waltzing into River Song stories is actually an interesting dynamic of like if you're going to just keep bringing her back rather than have her literally. I don't know. The, the 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 thing that they always say is her life revolves around the doctor, and uh, you know her narrative structure revolves around the doctor. And you know you can people want to argue with that and that sort of thing. And people love River. And I don't know. I like River here. I uh, don't like certain aspects of the way that she's kind of made to behave, and I don't like the way that the eleventh Doctor behaves towards her, and the way that the narrative supports the fact that like she breaks her wrist to. Um, she breaks her wrist to make him happy, and then she hides it from him, and then it's shown as a, a big negative thing for him that, you know, she did this. Oh, yeah, no. Um, and and I, I, this is why I brought up these other quotes, um, is I'm real happy about the doctor dying at this point in these episodes. I'm like, I'm ready for this guy's regeneration because he's selfish, he's immature, he's kind of a dick, but he's cute. <laughs> yes. And I I get that. To be fair, I've had a lot of friends like that. And I still love those friends sometimes even. Um but it's hard to see the way the doctor treats his loved ones in these episodes. The people that he's apparently according to Moffat loves more than any other person that right. he's ever had time with. Yeah, no. Um that that Anyway, I it's the River Song thing. Um, I do like her here as a time agent. I like the you know kind of the way they do things and the in the way and she's she looks used. Hot as hell. Like let's not let's be fair. Like that little noir style and the hat and the you know she looks great. But that's that's not enough to make me say this is a great Doctor Who episode. Can can, can we talk a little bit about the fact that? It is in this noir period, and they've like tried to make all these episodes, this series, into um, independent movies. You know, each one is a little forty-five minute movie. Yeah. They start. Remember, this episode starts with an extended pre-credit sequence uh -huh. with a character who we will not see again, and it exists only to like set mood. But that pre-credit sequence is like six and a half minutes long, and that's the one with the guy. Who meets himself. Right. It's right? the it's the detective who meets himself in the hotel. And you could have just, with a few lines of dialogue, you could have established that later in the episode. Like, mm -hmm. it's there to set mood and it's there to kind of set up. And you get this big scare sequence with the Statue of Liberty as, a, as an angel, which I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let yeah. it go. There's something. Let um, it go. Let um, it go. Something. No, 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 no. no. Don't have to let go. Disney's going to sue us. Disney's going to sue us. Um, <laughs> I parody, parody, parody. That song. <laughs> I think that song is interesting in how it helps me say I need to let things go. Yes, no, very, yes. We commented on it, therefore, um, yes. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, Disney's never going to listen to this fucking thing. Um, anyway, um, I'm letting it go. I'm letting go of the, 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 the angels thing. Um, but it is. It's a waste of time. It, it feels like... In, you don't need six minutes to set tone. You could have had six minutes to, I don't know, fill in some plot holes. but Or, or give us some character moments. This is Amy yeah. and Rory's last episode, and instead we spend six minutes with this dude at the beginning, you know? And the, yeah. and the character moments they do get are good, and you're right. So that could have been six minutes more of... We could have actually, like, seen this decision being made. And we could have seen, like, the idea, like... We could have kept the episode with their son. Or the scene with the, their son. The the PS um, thing, the, the little, um... No, no, absolutely. And that's the big thing. And can we talk about that? We can talk about that for about five minutes and we're moving on. Okay, so hopefully everybody who is listening to us has seen the deleted sequence kind of... Thing. I'm going to, I'll link that in the show notes so you can watch that. There it's, is. It's called PS. It's the unfilmed bit. It's an unfilmed, it was meant to be a DVD extra from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so um, which, I did I did read that. Uh, which on the, bothers me because it puts marketing in front of good writing. <clears throat> but needless to say, 
in in this episode or in this scene rather yeah in this kind of deleted extra um which was never filmed um good we get a moment between rory's dad and his grandson who is older than him but is delivering a letter from rory to his dad talking about how they live their lives like and it's supposed to take place this is like if you look at the the like the the time structure it's supposed to take place you know, like a week after um, the end of Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, when he says, who gets to do this? You should go and, and live your lives and be adventurous and save save planets and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, like, hypothetically, like, a few days later, he gets a visit from this older man who ends up being Rory and well, Amy's son. Well, and he says in that speech, and I think this is what is so heartbreaking and cruel sometimes about Moffat's writing, is by leaving this see now what he says is go have your adventure but doctor always bring them home to me Mm -hmm. and then he never sees his kid again yep and moffat just lets that go yeah no it's just it's gone and there's no um there's no uh and i think that is to it i think that's just i mean i think that's worse than fucking george rr martin killing everyone um, well, you you compare it, and I don't want to do like overt RTD Davies, you know, you know, Gardner stuff, but you compare it to the end of um, uh, Donna's storyline, which uh, there are some issues with the way Donna's written out of the show, but the Doctor confront is confronted by her parents, by by um, Wilf and the mom, I think, uh, about you know the way that Donna is now and is given the chance to respond but at least he is he takes responsibility for it in a way that like the 11th doctor never takes responsibility for for these things anything um and if we had had this ps at the very least we get a resolution for that character right who who wasn't in the show enough as it was even though he should have been but we also get this really amazing moment where the the last person who gets to speak in the episode is Rory then. Mm-hmm. And you get Rory's perspective of it, which is so much better <laughs> than what we hear from Amy and the doctor all the time. Sure. All uh, he wanted to do was get married and live a good life. And yeah. he ended up getting to have it. And I love that about Rory's character. He just wanted to commit himself... And that idea of marriage, that idea of main marriage changing history, I love. The idea that it is so simple when you can just find someone and have a bond with them. Um, well, and imagine what they could have, like, just to think about that idea, imagine the adventures. You could have told a story about Amy and Rory living their quiet little life in London, but this is like pre-World War II. Or, or right around World War Two, like um, this is this this is like very historically moving times. Rory and Amy could have been involved in like actual historical events and trying to help people, you yeah. know, the women's movement and the you know all this stuff because they're from their future because they can they know they know what's going to happen at least in the broad strokes. Like you can imagine like the the adventures that these guys had just in their day to day life. And um, so much more powerful than, um, you know, the version I've built in my head is much more powerful than the version that's on the screen. And that's sad. Um, And and I think that that's the thing that drives me the most crazy about Moffat is I feel like he has these great moments that end up feeling instead of like great moments to me, they end up feeling like missed opportunities to do something more. Too little, too late, and missed opportunities. And yeah, isn't it great that you wrote a little scene? Why couldn't? Why? Why did you give me something good? It just makes the rest look more shitty in comparison. And that's you know how I feel about so much of it. Um, yeah. Final thoughts on Angels Take Manhattan, at least for the uh, for this short period. I was really happy at the very least that we got to see some of this kind of relationship with Rory and Amy again, because I do feel like we get a lot of that side of them in the early episodes, but then like they had to become action movie stars. Um, It was nice to see just kind of the small, quiet, intimate moments between the two actors who clearly have a lot of chemistry and affection for each other. So it was, 
I there were moments in the episode that I forgot how much I liked because there is so much bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, there's a lot more we can talk about in this episode. Um, but uh, we got to move on to the snowman and uh, try to make it fairly brief. Um, although there's a lot to fucking talk about in the snowman. Um, what's your quote for the snowman? Let's just uh, let's do this. Um, because, yeah, I, I won't even e- explain. Because so, I would not stop for death. He kind of stopped for me. Sorry. Gosh. Alice, who is, okay, so Alice, who is one of the house workers or something, or the daughter, says, Captain Latimer, in the garden, there's snowmen, and they're just growing out of nowhere by themselves, look. And then as she's saying this, she opens the door, and Vastra, Strax, and Jenny, and the doctor are there. And Vastra says, good evening, I'm a lizard woman from the dawn of time, and this is my wife, Strax. This dwelling is under attack. Remain calm, human scum. The doctor. So, any questions? And then I think she faints or something, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, why yeah. do you think I chose this quote? I why not, why don't you talk a little bit about that? I, I think this is great. You're actually talking way more on this episode than you normally do. So let's. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. It's not great. Close. I actually, uh, you know, it's great to actually get you to do all the work in an episode for once. So uh-huh. go ahead. <laughs> um, I feel because I feel really torn here. I love Madame Vastra and Jenny. I even like Potato Strax Man who. He's he's working so hard against the way he was raised to live within this world um, because of his debt to the doctor or whatever. I, I kind of, I do kind of like the character of Strax, who is this barbaric guy who's trying really hard to, you know, live how he's supposed to live on Earth. Mm-hmm. And then we get the doctor who I don't know. Like, does he think he's Han Solo or like, there's just this swagger, but kind of dickishness. And in this episode, he's wearing that top hat. That's kind of, he's the raggedy man again, but in a different time period. Well, the top hat, I think is supposed to, there's a very second doctor vibe going throughout this entire episode in particular. Um, and the way that the, the doctor kind of dresses and the way he, I mean, the, the top hat I think is meant to directly invoke the second doctor. Um, with because the second doctor wore a hat like that occasionally. So the the bumbling homeless man. Yeah, the 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 cosmic hobo kind of guy. Cosmic so, hobo. um, yeah. And and I get that, and I think that there's a lot here because I love Vastra and Jenny, and I love that Vastra never um really feels the need to explain herself beyond this is who I am. I love. I I don't think we see a lot of female characters in in New Who um, that are like Vastra, um, but it kind of makes a joke of it, and it's kind of like, look at this bumbling crew of misfits. Well, and it's I'm a I'm a lizard woman from the dawn of time, and this is my wife, and um, that's great. Um, you know, we have not seen any kind of affection between them. You know, we have not we haven't seen them kiss, for instance. No, um, they barely even hug, which is kind of weird. You know, so, so you know, it Jenny, does... I, and this is the thing, because don't we see them when they actually meet each other? No, no, we, we haven't seen them in any... Like, we don't really have any background at all on Jenny and Vastra within the text of the show. Like, okay, so maybe I'm making um, that where they Where they met, how they... They, um, they first appear in A Good Man Goes to War um, as a couple... Um, she is, uh, Vastra is, uh, killing Jack the Ripper, I think, or like eating him alive or something like that. Yeah. Um, but they are already, you know, working together at that point. And we, we always move forward from there. We have not seen anything, right. any of their history. We don't really know anything about how they met. We really don't know anything about them beyond just what's on the screen, you know, beyond just like what they're doing. Like there's no right. background story guess, on these characters. And I, I think that there's something of, we see Jenny make kind of flirty glances at Vastra a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. We don't get to f- see their full relationship. It, it's kind of like, especially in this bit of writing, it feels like it, this dwelling is under attack. Remain calm, human scum. Mm-hmm. That is a decent representation of who Strax is supposed to be. 
the doctor saying so any questions it sums up a lot of the problems that i have with the doctor and therefore i think is pretty representative of who he's supposed to be good evening i'm a lizard woman from the dawn of time and this is my wife that says what's most thing important about me how i look and that i'm gay and i mean these and are let, let's be honest here these are lipstick lesbians um yeah which I'm not, I'm not at all like, you know, you live your life the way you want to live it, you know, but these are, you know, this is the hot green skinned girl and her cat cat suited girlfriend, Victorian, yes. you know, Victorian girlfriend right. who are like ninja assassins. Um, these are, know, these are not lesbians, interspecial lesbians. Um, but it feels like that's all we ever get to know about them. And it's so disappointing because they seem like such cool characters. And I think this quote for me emphasizes, like, I, I almost feel like I would have liked to see the, the version of this episode for Madame Vastra, Jenny and Strax solve the mystery. Well, it's very clearly, you know, ever since they first appeared in Good Man Goes to War, which is an episode I actually quite like, um, but ever since they first appeared in that episode, um, there's been, you know, people have been fallen in love with them, and so they bring them back, and then they're bringing them back in Series 8, at least in one episode, so they're going to come back again, um, and, you know, there's this sense of, like, this is a really interesting concept, and when these three are on screen, it's a very different show. This should be a spinoff. This isn't like, you know, yeah. why, are we, why do we keep bringing the Doctor back into this when um, these three clearly could have, like, like, this is, it's just, I don't know. They like, have more chemistry together than he has with them. Right. And it definitely feels like that, okay, so Amy and Rory are gone, we don't want to just introduce him to his next companion because she gets to be like weird. Um, she gets she gets to become the mystery that the rest of the you know the rest of series seven is so, going to revolve around, and we so set it up instead, here. You know, yeah. So instead of fully writing, I feel like what the doctor's going through because he's supposed to be going through some complicated emotions here. He goes miserly. He hides from the world. He's gone hermit because he's still licking his wounds from losing his best friends. Um, that would have been interesting. Seeing that character would have been interesting. We didn't see that character. We heard Vastra and Jenny and Strax kind of talk about that character. Right. And apparently this was something, um, I read a little bit about this episode in preparation for the podcast. Um, apparently Douglas Adams back in the seventies was talking about doing a storyline that was sort of like this of the doctor kind of not caring you know, that sort of thing. Um, and that would have been Tom Baker, you know, um, which would have been an, an interesting thing to do back in the 70s. And I think it could be interesting here. And I don't, I just, I don't know, like the... Wow, wait, hold on a second. I am imagining Tom Baker doing that episode. That would have been really cool, actually. Yeah. Sorry. I like, I like this hypothetical, the doctor stops carrying episode with Tom Baker. I think it would have been really interesting to see that it, but it doesn't exist. So go on with your real world conversation. Sorry. No, no, no. Again, uh, it could have been really interesting and Douglas Adams writing it. I mean, come on, tell me, tell me that wouldn't be awesome. Yeah. Um, or at least a script editor for it, even if he didn't write it. Um, that's would have been during the late seventies. So like, uh, during the Romana two era, um, it's kind of what I gathered, but oh, that um, would be cool. So imagine like this this period of um, you know the idea of this impossibly strong, impossibly like badass character who can't be bothered to save people anymore because he or she is uh, um, bored or um, despondent or whatever is a really powerful idea, um, at least for me. I mean, you know the whole. Um, Dr. Manhattan thing from Watchmen, you know, was kind of that, that narrative. Um, the whole of the Sandman series, uh, going back and doing another comic, you know, I guess you see it there more often, um, is sort of that story. Um, that idea, I think there could be a really strong narrative built around, like, how do, how do you make the Doctor care again? And, um, I don't think it's a, I think it's okay here. I think if we'd seen less the doctor is a jerk to Strax and more the doctor is despondent and doesn't care. Like 
I feel like just losing his two friends, it does feel like a childish reason to just go and walk yourself off from the world or the universe. I think that... I um, think if we got this feeling that... I mean, Vastra, and I'm looking at another quote, Vastra decides, describes him to Clara at one point as saying, the doctor doesn't help people, not anyone, not ever. He stands above this world and doesn't interfere in the affairs of its inhabitants. He is not your salvation nor your protector. Do you understand what I am saying to you? And Clara gets the nice witty comeback words. Um, right. Because words are about lying and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so, <laughs> as IMDB says, Madam Vastra is now taken aback. Her lie called out. Jenny looks proudly at Clara. And then Vastra says, he was different once, a long time ago. Kind, yes, a hero even. The saver of worlds. But he suffered losses that hurt him. Now he prefers isolation to the possibility of pain's return. Kindly choose a word to indicate your understanding of this. Clara says, man. Um, again, lots going on there for me. I think it's kind of complicated. But ultimately, what bothers me is we have this statement where he's preferring isolation to possibly being hurt again, which, again, feels just kind of immature. But what's the word that she has to say to get him to come down? Pond. And it's just so... I felt like it was too fan service-y. It didn't... It, <laughs> it wouldn't have piqued my interest if I was the doctor, because I'm like, okay, this pers person... I don't know. It just... it. Lazy. It feels lazy. It feels it feels um, like it's it's relying on us having been really invested in the like uh, Amy and Rory thing, which as far as I'm concerned, like at this point, it's over. You know, like and I guess you know RTD Davies, uh, RTD Gardner kind of did the uh, the Rose thing, kind of coming back in season four, and mm -hmm. they they kind of you know there's a little bit of precedent for it, but it's also like. If you're not gonna do something with it, then leave it alone. You know, like yeah, you know, and that's the thing. Like, just continually like poking that button. Eventually, you just get tired of having that button poked. Well, you know? it's it. It gets a little in jokey. Um, for example, at one point in this episode, they say winter is coming. Well, oh, and there's the extended Sherlock riff. And um, there's the extended Sherlock riff where they play the same music it's not the, actually the same music but it is very it's similar really music. similar yeah, yeah, no. it's clearly meant to invoke Moffat's sherlock yeah um and it uh oh. um so one more thing i'm going to mention before we uh sign off here uh do you have any more thoughts on this episode or, or any of the three okay um i have a quote i'd like to read at the end but um before i say <sighs> that um I do want to say that rewatching these three episodes, like I really did find things I liked in each episode. Um, the fairy tale aspect of this episode, I really didn't mind. Um, I feel like that there were still like re there, it was still weak overall. Right. Um, but there are a lot of moments that I like in these episodes where I do like these characters. It just always falls short for me. Sure. Um, would you like to rank these three in terms of uh, where you'd place them in your personal, um, like, which one would you most like to rewatch again? Most like to rewatch. Like, most to least. Like, if you had to rewatch one right now, which one would you choose? I would rewatch The Power of Three, even though the name sounds like a charmed reference. Um, I would watch The Power of Three and then watch the scene that was cut yeah and then number two would be actually i think the snow the snowman because i like fairy tales and it's a very pretty episode um and then i'd like just watch the bits of <laughs> the angels take manhattan that i'd like i'd fast forward and i'd just watch the nice amy rory moments yeah i would i pretty much agree with you in terms of uh how i'd rank these three um, I don't really love any one of these three. I do think Power of Three is probably the best of them. Uh, the Snowman, it has some annoying stuff I don't like, but, um, 
you know, Angel State Manhattan is just a mess. Um, and, uh, you know, if you just take all the angels out of Angel State Manhattan, I might like that one a lot more. Let's, exactly. You know, exactly. Um, because there is stuff we are going to revisit. I think that one in particular, we're definitely going to have to revisit it some future episode um, because sure. there's a lot to unpack in that one. Um, and there is some stuff I like uh, in all three of these. Um, more than I remembered, kind of going back through it. It's just, there's so much annoying stuff that just drives me crazy, and it's just hard to, you know, stay focused on it. Um, yeah, um, the only other thing I was going to mention is that uh, there is a kind of clever uh, thing that happens in The Snowman where the doctor is holding a lunchbox that has a 1967 um, London transit map in it. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's, like, taking over the world with snowmen. And, you know, like, um, what he's ta- what, what's actually happening is the doctor gives the great intelligence the idea to try to take over London via the underground with abdominable snowmen in 1967. Um, there is an episode, the second doctor episode, in which that happens. Um, and uh, you're basically building this back into that. Like, it's it's sort of... Uh, it's That's a kind of fun. Yeah, it, it's a fun little bit. I mean, it it um, it is a reference for the classic fans. It is not a pander to the classic fans. Which and though that that we should have more of those. We should because um, one thing that we're going to get more and more in series seven B as we kind of start talking about the the rest of the series is that um, increasingly they are doing literally um, just uh, jokey references with no context whatsoever and. Yep. Um, yeah. So, and I'll try to highlight the most egregious of those as we get there. Um, all right. Anything else you have to say other than your quote? No, I just really, um, I, I'm just going to read their two quick little quotes. And this is more a commentary on the fact that I think the Strax and Strax and the doctor, if like, let's say we just had a season of the doctor, of, of Doctor Who, where the Doctor's companion is Strax. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Really interesting. Um, I think it, it could get old quickly, and you might need... I mean, he's kind of a canine kind of character in some ways of, like, jokes and stuff. But these, these two little moments I actually like, because they make that element of him being the, the old crazy professor, which I think is Matt Smith's, like... The, the cosmic hobo who has wisdom of the world, like that aspect, I think come out um, in these quotes. And it's just Strax saying, sir, permission to express my opposition to your current apathy. Permission granted. Sir, I am opposed to your current apathy. Thank you, Strax. And if I'm ever in the need of advice from a psychotic potato dwarf, you'll certainly be the first to know. And then the doctor says, don't be clever, Strax. It doesn't suit you. Sorry, sir. I'm the clever one. You're the potato one. Yes, sir. Now go away. I think that there is a loving, <laughs> loving, awkward little uh, relationship there that we just don't get to see enough. I am so annoyed by the I'm the smart one, you're the potato one. I, I thought that was like one of the, uh, yeah, no, I hate that line. The other one is the other one is cute. I like the other one, but I, I think uh, I think if it had felt like he wasn't I think if we had seen that relationship dynamic and we could have seen because it seems like those two respect each other and that this is playful and maybe they're I again what a missed opportunity to have a weird kind of exploration of that relationship. Agreed. Agreed. All right. I think that's it. Um, Any more thoughts on any one of these three or um, anything you're uh, anything that this might bode for or bode well for for series eight or are you ready to just wrap up um i'm ready to wrap up i'm ready to see capaldi i know we're still gonna talk about more of, of series seven yep. uh, but but yeah we're, we're getting to capaldi all right um next episode we're going to talk about the bells of saint john the rings of a cotton and Cold War, um, just in these uh, very brief 15-minute or so conversational pieces. Um, and then we should have enough weeks left if we get back on this and kind of get them posted to uh, get everything uh, up to Series 8 talked about before we actually get to watch Series 8. So um, hopefully that's going to happen. 
um, we just got to keep right on it and keep watching Doctor Who. So uh, thanks a lot to everybody for listening. Um, Shayna, you can find her at Inkyosa at Twitter or Tumblr. That's A-N-K-I-N-K-Y-O-S-A. I am Daniel Lee Harper on Tumblr or Twitter. And you can uh, like our Facebook page. Um, we are Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. You can look for us there. And uh, we're going to try to start posting more stuff to that. Um, that's Shana's responsibility. So I'm sorry, I'm a grad student. I'll do my I'll do my best. All right, but gonna be fun <laughs> times. Um, thanks again for listening. Um, sorry this one seemed a little rushed. We kind of uh, slammed it out before we went to work. So fun times. Um, hope to uh, see you in the next episode. Bye.